نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار Praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, we beseech him to send his peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, upon his blessed family, his companions, and those who followed him until the end of time. Shout out to brothers who scoot this way and then scoot forward. MashaAllah, it's going to be like double MashaAllah. So MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. So if we could like kind of center ourselves as well, get that good 50 yard line, box seat, type thing going and then if we can scoot as forward as we can uh, it's going to be good inshallah zakallahu khairan as the quran says yafsahillahu lakum you know if you make room allah will make room for you uh, so we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yasih lana inshallah ask allah to make a way for us fi jannatihi and na'im alhamdulillah we know like this is a very important time for the majority of the muslims across the globe uh, and this of course is the month according to the strong opinion of Muslim historians and scholars of hadith uh, that the Prophet ﷺ, he was born as Shawqi, he wrote Ulid al-Huda al-Kainatu You know that this is at this time actually when the Prophet was born, the era that he was born smiled and it said thanks O oh Allah for choosing me to be the time that the Prophet ﷺ, he was born in and even if people differ over celebrating the Mawlid or not, what we should amplify is that none of us differ on loving the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who said, La hadakum, none of you will truly believe, You know that none of you will complete your faith until you love me more than anything. And that includes our parents and our children. Commenting on this though, one of the early scholars said, of course, this is impossible. Like it's impossible for anyone to say that, but it's though the Prophet is encouraging us, like the level that we should love him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And how do we love somebody is we learn about them and we know them. That's why Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu wajah, he used to say that nobody, as related by Tirmidhi, met the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like, like accidentally, you know, they would bump into him, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and would leave except they had an appreciation and love for the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even Abu Sufyan, when he was still one of the great arch enemies of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
and he was informed that his daughter Umm Habiba had married the Prophet and people begin to chastise him in Mecca and say, are you aware of who your daughter married? And he said to them, I can think of nobody better for her to marry than him, even though I don't believe in him and I don't agree with him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But oftentimes within uh, the typical polemics, you know, we have a standard set of polemics as though we have the budget to be fighting and hating each other. Like as though we don't have enough enemies, as though we don't have enough problems, as though we can conveniently find the time to think about how better can I hate my Muslim brother or sister. We forget the amount of money being spent in Islamophobia, the positioning of Muslims across the globe, the continued assault militarily. We see what happened in Gaza, subhanAllah, just this week in Kashmir and other parts of the world. In Iraq, we see what's going on. But somehow we fail to realize that we need each other. And within that also we get caught up in the fashionable kind of notions of who the Prophet is. I remember once, subhanAllah, I was sitting in a zawiya of some Sufis in Egypt and there was one of the followers of this shaykh. I wasn't in that group. I was there to read Quran to one shaykh who was very proficient in the Quran. So I, saw, I heard this conversation. I wasn't dipping. It was loud. And he said to the shaykh, like, I, I, I came from my university, the shaykh of that tariqah, I came five hours to visit you by train. And he said, subhanAllah, the shaykh, he said, how far do your parents live from you? He said, my parents live for two hours. He said, no, you should have gone to see your parents. Like, why are you coming to see me? Al-awlawiyat. So oftentimes we don't have priorities, and priorities is the sign of taqwa, and taqwa, of course, is the gift of tawfiq. To regulate our love of the Prophet to a scarf, or to a certain type of language, or to a certain type of dialect, or group, or cult, would be really to dismantle the greater, the greater message and the powerful transformative prophecy of Sayyidina Muhammad who came as a shatib, he mentions largely with the kulliyat al-insaniya who came with these universals that were meant to as Imam al-Maydani said you know you know like what the Prophet brought they're like medicines that a pharmacist gives to humanity and if we look around us today some of us maybe we're watching um, what's going on now with the testimony and then we see what's been happening within our own community, there can be no doubt that we need the Adwiya Muhammadiyah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So what I would like to do is really focus on a more kind of universal idea that should come out of the life of anyone who celebrates Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because to say Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad and then not to be good to our wives or our spouses, not to be good to our children, to be a hater, to be an internet troll, to be a jerk on Minder. You know, all of, let's get real. If we just leave Islam in the masjid, there's no masjid in the wild. But there needs to be a masjid in the wild. Because that's where people get hurt. So to like troll girls on Minder, to send like nasty pictures, right? To make a fool out of myself every Friday night. I left the minbar and went to the bar. Those kind of things, right? That would be to really reduce my claim of loving the Messenger of Allah. 
Because first and foremost, when we say that we love Muhammad وسلم, this means that we're going to hold ourselves accountable. Because the hukum of the atf is the hukum of the ma'tuf. The ruling of the followed is the ruling, the follower takes the ruling of the followed. I remember first few months into my al-Islam, brothers can scoot forward again inshallah. Like we can really scoot forward, like it's a lot of room. I know I'm a lot more intimidating than the other guy, but I swear I'm nicer, I just don't make burgers. So like, you can scoot forward. Like, you can all the way up to the rug, mashallah. Thank you. Barakallahu fikum. So, to say that we love the Messenger of Allah, and that's why it's called shahada, means to sign a contract. And that contract is commanding us to live a much more responsible life. Like, the mawlid and love of the Messenger isn't all about like burning incense and feeling good and like wearing a oud. That's not, that's, anyone can do that. There are people who are bombing Yemen who do that every week. They wear oud and they even wear thobes, but they still bomb Yemen. Did the thobe help them? Did the oud help them? So to reduce the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu salam, to simple fashion, would be a sign that I'm following my nafs. Because to be a follower of the Messenger of Allah means to suffer. And that's why the Prophet said, he said, I suffered in ways that no human being ever suffered. And I feared. Like no human being has ever feared before. Meaning the anxiety and the stress of what he went against in this hadith is sahih. Was greater than any other person. And what he suffered for, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says, He said, you know, there were 30 nights that I met with Bilal in Mecca. We didn't have food. He said, in fact, the only thing we could eat was what Sayyidina Bilal could hide in his clothing. And Bilal, he had very tattered clothing. So what he could hide was like very minuscule. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It was a struggle. And I remember early on in my Islam, I met this brother. He had a liquor store. We used to call it Haramco. And that brother, subhanAllah, we went to him and he said to me like, you know, What's your deal? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the new guy in the community. And he said to me, you know, you don't have to, we don't have to follow Muhammad now, He did everything for us. Like he took that responsibility. We can just cruise into Jannah. And I was like, man, this is a good religion. <laughs> but subhanAllah, in the Quran, Allah does something profound. And that is that in Arabic, it's okay to change the tense for, for a lesson or a meaning called iltifat. In Masri say, lift, lift, you know, turn around. So the language literally turns around. While Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to Sayyidina Rasul, and then suddenly the tense switches, and he's talking to us. Alam ta'alam anna Allah ala kulli shay'in qadir. Alam ta'alam anna Allah lahu mulku samawati wal ard. Wa ma lakum min dunillah. Allah says to Sayyidina Muhammad, don't you know this? Don't you know this, O Muhammad? And then suddenly it switches and says, don't you the whole ummah of Muhammad know? And Sheikh Muhammad Ali Sayyid, he was the dean of the College of Sharia and Azhar. He said, because the ummah of Muhammad, by claiming it follows Muhammad والسلام, now becomes part of the Muhammadan responsibility. So oftentimes in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to Sayyidina Nabi, and the tense switches and he's talking to us. 
As if to say, don't think that the Prophet can do Don't think that that kind of relationship will save you. What saves us, as the Prophet said, is work. And one of the universal principles that we take from the life of the Prophet is something maybe that we don't think about, like the Prophet is the embodiment of core values. And one of them is beauty. And subhanAllah, very rarely do we talk about beauty because the word has been gentrified in such a way by notions of European uh, beauty and Eurocentric notions of beauty. Everywhere in the world you can find a get white cream. I remember once I was traveling in the Muslim world, I went into the Saidaliya, I mean the pharmacy, and I saw the get white cream. So I was teasing the guy, I said, if I wear that, will I disappear? <laughs> and he was like, you know, I don't want to say what he said, it'll give the country away. But he was like, yeah, I'm. Then he gave me the explanation. Like, subhanAllah, the nur of tahajjid is more than anything else we could ask for. Being a loving human being is more beautiful than anything we can ask for. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's the embodiment of beauty. He said, inna Allah ta'ala jameen wa yuhibbul jamal. Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. From the sunnah of Allah, is to make things appeasing to human beings in a way which isn't strictly related to the sexual. Because that's a very remedial base, as Ibn Hazm said, to be attracted to sexual beauty is part of our nature. But to be restricted to sexual beauty makes us hayawanat, makes us like animals. The ability to transcend the post-Hellenistic pagan construction of beauty, which is largely steeped in nakedness, and the material, where our understanding of beauty transcends the material world because there's nothing more beautiful than our Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Qiyamah, وُجُوهٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ نَاظِرَةٌ نَاظِرَةٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ نَاظِرَةٌ That in the hereafter people will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that befits His majesty. And they will be like blown away. One of the narrations says Allah will recite Surah Al-Rahman for them. Sayyidina Suhaib, when he would narrate this hadith, he would weep, longing to see the beauty of Allah. So whoever is lost in the beauty of Noor will never get deceived by the beauty of dunya. So the Prophet embodies for us what's beautiful. As Sayyidina Anas said, radiallahu anhu, I never saw anyone's character more beautiful than the Messenger of Allah. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah said, I saw the Messenger of Allah at night and he was walking and behind him was the moon. Wallahi, he said, his face was brighter than the full moon. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he said, when I would see him, I would say, Wallahi, you are more beautiful than the full moon. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Tala Badru alayna. They used to call him the Badr, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, because also the moon guides. But when we think about beauty, we tend to restrict it to the gaze. One of the concerns I have as an American Muslim is that we're always responding to like the dominant themes of America. Whereas our leaders like Malcolm X and his daughters down the street, mashallah, in Harlem, we see great leaders like Ingrid Madison, Yasmin Mujahid. We see these people emancipated themselves from being slaves of the constructions of America and begin to answer questions 
directly from Islam. Not just simply responding, like, let him play defense, man. Don't just play offense. One of the things that I often hear is people talk about the gays, and then the gays becomes highly sexualized. And then women become mistreated in the name of the gays as though it's a woman's fault that a man can't control where he looks. <coughs> but subhanAllah, let's invert it. Because the gaze, if we can scoot forward, the gaze is also a key to appreciating beauty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran mentions, We beautified the heavens for you. In numerous places, unzur. Use your gaze. Look around you and appreciate. As Imam Ibn Hammam al Hanafi, he said, He said, You know, the Creator, Al Sani' subhanahu wa ta'ala, is known because people see the ayat of God in His creation. They pay attention to them. That's why in the Quran it's called ayah. Ayah doesn't mean verse, ayah means a sign. Every verse of Quran is ayah ala sidqihi sallallahu alayhi wa Every verse of the Qur'an is a sign of the truth of the messenger of, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa But if we want to expand the love of the Prophet to move beyond fashionable notions or the typical polemics that plague a community which has to consider itself constantly under siege, then let us stop for a moment and think about the times in the Qur'an where Allah commands the Prophet to look. He commands him to use his gaze. And there we find beauty. Because beauty is not captured in like very commodified, simplistic ways. In our understanding, beauty is something which is going to last and benefit humanity and ourselves and the hereafter. That's beauty. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, when they keep asking Sayyidina Musa, Ma launuha, what color is the cow? What the cow look like? What shape is the cow? At the end of the second question, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Faqi'u launuha tasurru nadirin. Allah describes the cow as being beautiful. When was the last time we saw a group of people paying to take a tour? To admire the beauty of an Angus. But Allah says it's beautiful. Reconstructs how we understand beauty. The construction and commodification of beauty is a monster, man. It leads people to depression. So the first thing that Allah orders the Prophet to look at is poverty. He commands him not to turn away from poverty. In this country, there's a tremendous problem with poverty. We don't feel it because it's glossed over. And now we see a political ethos which now, subhanAllah, actually blames poor people for their poverty. Allah said to the Prophet because Islam isn't about utilitarianism. Islam is about being uncomfortable. Allah said to him, do not turn your vision away from them. Who is them in Sultan Kaf? Sayyidina Suhaib, who was a refugee. He's not Arab. Sayyidina Bilal, 
He's not Arab, he's a refugee. Sayyidina Ammar, who lost his mother, Sumayya. Allah says to him, alayhi salatu salam, don't turn away from them. Don't turn your eyes away from them. Seeking the beauty, the utility of dunya. As a spiritual community who claims to love the Prophet It's so great to see, especially our MSA just a few weeks ago, a community that stays prophetic, invested, in the needs of the poor. And in fact, this verse, Imam Al-Tabari said, was revealed when the people of Mecca came to Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Look at the, the values and principles. To love the Prophet is to be a person of principle. And they tried to, to sway him away from his mission. And one of the things that they said to him was, like, why are you hanging out with these people? Why are you hanging out with the low-class people? <laughs> Largely, if we look at the message of Islam in America after Malcolm, except in a few of the black American communities, we see a community that is oftentimes more excited to go to a White House iftar than to serve people who have no food. That's a problem. <coughs> who will celebrate sometimes its secular successes but ignore its social and cultural successes. But all of us in this room rest on the coattails of Malcolm. And none of us should forget that he died for his people. And that's prophetic. So when they asked the Prophet وسلم, sell out, immediately Allah reveals, Stay patient, be resilient with those poor people who call on Allah in the morning and the evening and never turn away from them to read Zinat al-Hayat al-Dunya looking for the accolades of this life Sayyidina Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when this verse came he said Alhamdulillahi sabbarani praise be to Allah who commanded me to be patient with the people who are underserved and in fact he used to say Allah mahshurni oh Allah resurrect me with the masakeen with those people who are, some ulama, they said masakin to Allah, yani, their hearts are masakin to Allah, meaning that they need Allah, and others said it means that they were people who actually were underserved. So the first that we can talk about is looking at the most vulnerable and finding beauty there. What's the beauty that we're looking for? The beauty to develop the capacity in our own emotional battery to care for people. When Allah talks about the hypocrites, He said, لا يشعرون. They don't feel. Allah, when He talks about Sayyidina Isa, فَلَمَّا حَسَّ Isa, Isa alayhi salatu salam, internally He felt the needs of His people. حَسَّ بِهِمْ It wasn't just like He noticed something, He was so in tune with the Hawariyin alayhi salam, that He understands their emotional needs. The same with Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as Imam Malik mentions in the Muatta and Imam Muslim when he came to his wife Sayyidina Aisha and he said to her, I know when you're angry at me. He, he, he didn't allow that to cause him to be insecure or upset. He understands 
the power of communication. Allah says in the Quran, Ar-Rahman al-Quran khalaq al-insan al-bayan. You know the ability to communicate is one of the first things that Ar-Rahman mentions as one of his ni'mah. So he goes to his wife, Sayyidah Aisha, and he says, Eh, I know when you're angry at me. And she said, how? Because she wasn't like being passive aggressive. She wasn't like shooting signals at him. She said, how? Because, He said, when you're happy, you say, When you're happy, you say, I swear by Muhammad, the Lord of Muhammad, And when you're angry, you say, Ibrahim. He said, and when you're mad, you say, well, I swear by the Lord of Ibrahim. And she said, you got it. <laughs> but look how he's able to feel people. So when we talk about beauty, it doesn't mean some kind of sick sense of accomplishment or utility by I'm helping people who are underserved. No, it means that Allah has, inshallah, guided me to find the great blessing, which is the blessing of empathy. Man la yarham, la yurham. Who doesn't practice empathy will not receive empathy in the hereafter. So the first is that the Prophet ﷺ is commanded uncompromisingly and unconditionally to stare at poverty. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yajalna ma'a ahibai nabiyina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kama nasaluhu and yajma'ana ma'ahu kama amanabihi walam narahu aqulu qawri hadha there are a few other examples of where the Prophet is implicitly commanded to stare things in the face, to look at them. One of them is people who are not, who are suffering with disabilities. And we know, everyone knows this chapter. That Abdullah bin Ummaktum, the Mu'adhan of the Messenger of Allah, like Sayyidina Bilal, who comes to the Messenger of Allah to seek knowledge, subhanAllah, even though he can't see physically. He can see with his heart. And those people, even though they have everything, and they can see everything physically, they can't see with their heart. That's why Allah says about the Quraysh, You see them staring at you, O Muhammad, but they don't see you. SubhanAllah. They're looking at you, but they don't see you. Yani, they don't see the haqiqa Muhammadiyah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because the beauty of Muhammad, alayhi salatu salam, transcends the eyes. So he comes to the Messenger of Allah, Alimni, teach me. And the Prophet turned away from him. Hasanat al-Abrar, Sayyidat al-Muqarrabin. And then Allah tells him, don't turn away from this person. Look at him. Serve him. Another thing that we should think about, like in our communities, do people who have certain physical challenges Emotional challenges. Do they have entry points into our nonprofits? Are we making sure that people are able to attend and be part of our programming? In Ramadan, I was suggesting yesterday, we should have a party for everyone who can't fast. We should have iftar for them. 
We should say, even though you can't fast, wallahi, all of us who make dua, Allah will count our fast with your fast. As the Prophet said, uktub, Allah will say about that person, uktub, write what that person did. Ka'annahu sahih muqeem. As though that person is healthy and not traveling. Another thing that the Prophet is ordered to stare at over and over again is the environment. Stars, camels, camels. You know, I was with my teacher in the mid-90s traveling in the desert. And he said to me, we're going somewhere. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to go look at camels. I was like, man, all right. <laughs> so we're in Fahahil. If anyone's ever been to Kuwait, a place called Fahahil. In the middle of nowhere. And it's one of the most, that's why they call them Safinatul Sahra. Like, subhanAllah, they're majestic. Like when you see it, you're like, أَفَلَا يَنظُرُونَ إِلَى الْإِبْلِ كَيْفَ خُلِقَتْ And the Prophet is ordered to look at the camel because as one of my teachers from Rawabhindi, who's a teacher of mine in Tafsir, mashallah, Sheikh Abdul Rahman, who passed away, Layyarhamu from Pakistan. He used to say, why is the Prophet always ordered to look at camels? Because camels are the most immaterial creature. And the believer should be like a camel. The dunya is a desert. Nike is water. Sephora is water. iPhones are water. How I look is water. Fillers are water. Lipo is water. But if you think about it, it's inverted. That's why Imam al-Muhasibi said, the one that's lost who made his dunya his camel, her camel, the mati'ah, what they ride. So he said to me, the Prophet was ordered to look at camels to remember zuhud in dunya. You're going to have to travel, I'm going to have to travel through the desert of life. Don't forget to be like the camel. The other thing is, وَإِلَى السَّمَاءِ كَيْفَ رُفِعَتْ And I said to him, you know, as a smart aleck, yeah, what about the sky? What does that mean? He said, high ambition. The believer should have ambition, like the heavens. And then he said to me, Sayyidina Rabi said, if you ask Allah for Jannah, ask for Firdaus al-A'la. Aim high. And we live in an age now, one of the goals of Islamophobia outside of conditioning and straightening the public expression of Islam to the point that it comes into our private lives, is to cause us not to have great ambitions in society. But we see, mashallah, Muslims doing great work, alhamdulillah. Wa ila al-jibali, and to be like the mountains that are firm, sultaghashiyah. And I asked, what are the mountains? And the shaykh, he said, consistency and strength. If the earthquake happens, the mountain stays, he told me. Then he talked about K2, mashallah. He's from Pakistan. Allah <laughs> is a great person, mashallah. He had a serious vertebrae issue in his back, and the only time he would sit up is when he would teach tafsir. And we'd say, don't sit up. He said, no, I'm healed with tafsir, subhanAllah. Tafsir is my Tylenol. But he said, you should be like the mountains. You should be firm on the haqq. Not rude and harsh, but immovable. And then the last he said, the ard. You should be like the earth. Because the Muslim, as the Prophet said, The whole earth is a masjid. The earth is for Allah. I remember once I was in a taxi with a shaykh in Egypt. Now he's in prison, may Allah free him. 
SubhanAllah, professor of tafsir. And he, has a really, he had a really long beard. So we got in the taxi. And the taxi driver said to him, where are you from? He said, Min ardi la wismi abdullah. I'm from the land of God. My name is the servant of God. And then the taxi driver said, I knew it. I knew it. You are Sayyidina Khadr. <laughs> he thought he was Sayyidina Khadr. And then he explained to him, no, what I meant by the ard of Allah is not that I'm Sayyidina Khadr who's walking all over the earth, and this is a weak opinion, but that the earth belongs to Allah. And wherever the Muslim is, they can worship Allah. That's why subhanAllah, in the Shafi'i Madhab, when Imam Ibn Hajar Haythami was asked by Muslims who lived in Italy, do we have to migrate from Italy because it's a land of non-Muslims? He said, no, because the land belongs to Allah. And by living there, you will spread the beauty of Allah's deen. And this is the greatest accomplishment, mashallah. So as we think about the Mawlid and our beloved messenger, we should think about what he was commanded to look at. Then we should perhaps step back and be careful that we're not being caught up into the typical polemics or simple reductionism of the meaning of the Messenger of Allah in our life. To be associated with the Prophet is to be associated with responsibility. To be associated with the Prophet is to be away from racism and bigotry. The more racism you have in your heart, the more bigotry I have in my heart, the less I'm following the sunnah of the Prophet is to be away from evil. And I didn't mention it, but when the Prophet is ordered to look at the environment, we can also now think about environmental resilience. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. To be committed to real things, real meaning, to be zero waste, to avoid creating a massive carbon footprint on this earth, to appreciate the creation of Allah, is to be associated with the Messenger of Allah. To be good in my marriage, under normal circumstances, is to be associated with the Messenger of Allah. To be a good person and citizen, is to be associated with the Messenger of Allah. To stand for justice, is to be associated with the Messenger of Allah. How could we restrict this just to simple things? When the Messenger of Allah, he was able, as Shawqi said, أَحْيَاهُمْ You know, your brother, uh, Sayyidina Isa, he called the dead and they were brought to life. But you, O Muhammad, you brought generations of people to life. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. To ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us. And I know that there's a host of activities happening here at the center that fall into these kind of exit points of Muhammadan objectives, like we feed the poor in the park, mashallah. There's a lot of zakat work happening. A women's shelter was funded by you people, mashallah. Our brothers and sisters are going to Palestine. People are going to Umrah. So many things are happening to help others, mashallah. Learning, education, activism. So make sure that you try as you leave. We're going to benefit from the mawlid of the Prophet. We're born as the Prophet is born, to be reborn into a new life, into better, inshallah, habits and characteristics. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yajma'ana ma Sayyidina Rasulillah, kama amana bihi wa lam nara. Ask Allah to unite us with the Prophet as we believe in him even though we haven't seen him. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our declaration of love for the Prophet something that's true and sincere. Ask Allah to make that declaration for us and not against us. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yawahid sufuf al-Muslimin. 
Ask Allah to unite our communities, insha'Allah. Ask Allah to help those who may be suffering with anxiety, depression, fear, sadness, or going through any serious, serious internal challenges. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen you. And understand this not because you have weak iman, it's because you're human. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us also a means of your healing, insha'Allah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the brothers and sisters in Palestine, in Iraq, in Syria, Kashmir, in Myanmar, our brothers and sisters in Congo, in Senegal, in Nigeria, in Chad, Zaire, Sudan. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters here in this country. Ask Allah to bless those who are incarcerated in a way which is unethical and unjust. May Allah free them. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us limit any pain that we may cause for others inadvertently or purposely. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us good hearts, sincere hearts, sincere intentions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to be those who can help others heal and heal us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept us and forgive us, Ya Allah. We have so many sins, we have so many mistakes, we have so much hypocrisy, but your mercy and your forgiveness is greater than our shortcomings. Ask Allah to bless our parents, those alive and those who passed away. We ask Allah to bless our new brothers and sisters in the community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease your path into the way of Islam and bless you with your friends and family. We pray for our students. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assist you and aid you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a formative time of your life that allows you to really construct uh, the scaffolding of great human beings, insha'Allah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.